You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Health officials warned it was likely just a matter of time. And today, the first presumptive case of coronavirus has been confirmed in B.C. A man in his 40s who regularly goes to China for work is presumed to have the novel coronavirus. Aaron MacArthur has more on what we know about the patient and, while not unexpected, the warning officials have for the public. You know that late yesterday, we had um, our first case of a novel coronavirus. Health officials unveiling details Tuesday morning about the first presumptive positive case of novel coronavirus. The sample still needs to be confirmed by the National Microbiology Lab in Winnipeg. But given the history of travel and the symptoms they were showing, we are confident that this is truly a case of this novel coronavirus. The man who recently traveled to China for work is said to be doing fine at home in self-isolation. He started showing signs of illness more than 24 hours after he returned home to Vancouver. Vancouver Coastal Health has been in contact with, uh, with the family and is following up with, the, with the, the person and a small number of contacts. The novel coronavirus continues to spread across central China. More than 4,500 confirmed cases, according to the World Health Organization, with more than 100 deaths. Primarily clustered in Hubei province and the city of Wuhan. Considering the ties and direct travel links between China and Canada, officials here believed it was only a matter of time before cases began to show up. We need to be very vigilant. There are people who have traveled, who are here, who might be incubating this virus, who might be becoming sick. While BC has one confirmed case, the internet has been running wild with rumors of other presumptive cases. Health officials are struggling to stay ahead of all the misinformation, urging the public when it comes to this coronavirus to not rely solely on social media. Part of that response is being forthright, to not come forward with information until it's confirmed and then to come forward with it quickly as we have today. In addition to regular updates on the status of new patients, the CDC will post the number of people tested for coronavirus at the end of every week. One positive case so far. Officials quite certain this won't be the last. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And there are reports tonight the U.S. government is considering suspending flights in and out of China. The Centers for Disease Control is expanding its travel warning, urging Americans to avoid non-essential travel to all parts of China. Meantime, our government is warning Canadians to avoid all travel to the outbreak's epicenter. The province of Hubei in China, including the cities of Wuhan, Huanggang and Aizhou. As concern grows, often so does misinformation. And as Aaron touched on in his report, health officials are warning people against using social media as their sole source of information. Global's Brad McLeod has your Coronavirus 101. How to protect yourself and if you are at risk, what to do if you suspect you may have become infected. Novel coronavirus is in B.C. <laughs> It's early and there's a lot of speculation and misinformation. Understandable, since scientists are still figuring out exactly how the virus has spread. BC Centre for Disease Control with this. There's no evidence that we have of asymptomatic shedding. In other words, they don't think you can get it from someone that isn't showing symptoms. A virologist from UVic on how bad it's going to get. Don't think it's likely that this virus is going to be much worse than flu. 
He says the death toll is becoming less concerning as more and more people report being sick but surviving. The biggest problem, it's a new virus. Nobody has resistance to it. With a virus like influenza, we already have vaccines and built up immune responses to protect us. Novel coronavirus, we don't have any of that. Though the BC CDC says the risk of the virus spreading in the province remains low. Even saying at this point, it's not necessary for the general public to take special precautions beyond the usual for this time of year. Measures like coughing or sneezing into your elbow or sleeve, avoiding close contact with people who are sick. The masks may give you a false sense of security. She says they may be effective when worn by somebody who's already sick and might not provide protection from getting sick. The biggie, wash your hands. Upton says it's promising that BC already has a test. The sequences of the genomes were done incredibly fast. And sequencing puts us much closer to finding a vaccine. The health ministry says if you think you've been exposed or are experiencing symptoms, particularly if you've traveled to the Wuhan area of China, call your doctor, public health official, or call 811. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. Now to some breaking news involving ride hailing in this province. And tonight, Uber is striking back. A day after Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum doubled down on his promise of fines for ride hailing drivers operating in his city, Uber has filed a lawsuit of its own. Richard Zussman has the details and why the province says there are few options for companies worried they're being blocked. Uber isn't backing down without a fight the world's largest ride-hailing company pursuing legal action against the city of Surrey. The city has been handing out warnings to Uber drivers saying they can't operate in the municipality. Also on Tuesday, some clarity from Transportation Minister Claire Trevena. The minister says there aren't a lot of options for companies who feel municipalities are standing in the way of them operating. If companies feel that they are being blocked by... Uh, um, a municipality, there are legal options available to question the, whether that municipality is acting within the law. The province has made it clear all along that municipalities like Surrey can't block ride hailing. Mayor McCallum announced on Monday the city was going to start ticketing Uber drivers. 18 warnings were handed out over the weekend. McCallum believes Surrey can beat Uber in court. We um, feel that um uh, the ride hailing, or especially Uber, is not abiding by our bylaws. It does not have a business license at this time to operate in Surrey. Ride hailing could hurt the NDP in Surrey, where they currently hold six seats. The party has historically been supportive of the taxi companies and not ride hailing. The NDP has not been able to provide responses on how MLAs feel about the company. The BC Liberals responding today. The law is clear from what I understand uh, and now we have the province not choosing to to have that enforced and what we have what we need is for the province to step in and clean up the mess that they've created. Uber is expected to hold a press conference on Wednesday to provide additional details about the lawsuit. Trevena also announcing today that the government has formed a working group including the Transportation Minister, along with Municipal Affairs Minister Selena Robinson and Labour Minister Harry Baines. They will discuss the issue of business licenses, as well as the way that Uber and other ride-hailing companies treat their drivers. Richard Zuspin, Global News, Victoria.
All right, the legal dispute is complex because nine Metro Vancouver cab companies have teamed up filing two legal challenges to ride hailing in this province. In the meantime, the BC Taxi Association says it will level the playing field with ride hailing in a different way by no longer subsidizing accessible vehicles. Sarah McDonald has more on the impact that could have and reaction. As the battle between the taxi industry and ride hailing companies continues to play out, both in the courts and on the roads, it's people like Monica Gardner caught in the middle. BC, especially the Lower Mainland, has such a high proportion of people with disabilities, and it's growing. She and so many Metro Vancouverites who need extra help to get around are now facing a life-altering reality. The wheelchair-accessible cabs they so heavily rely on are no longer being subsidized by taxi companies. We are pulling back. We're not going to be subsidizing our accessible vehicles effective immediately. The industry making a point to the province that the rules are not fair, while critics say using vulnerable customers as pawns. This is really not appropriate to use this as a bargaining chip um, in order to get your way, if you will. Accessible taxis are typically more costly to operate than conventional ones, and their trips often take longer to complete. And while taxi companies in this province are mandated to have a certain percentage of the vehicles operational, Right, hailing companies are not. We put in the wheelchair. The move effectively makes an already slim supply of taxis equipped to accommodate wheelchairs even tighter. We have to spend more and earn less. With drivers opting to kick accessible vans to the curb once the operating incentives were stripped on Monday. If I drive accessible vehicle, so I will take 50% less money. To home. That leaves passengers like Gartner in the lurch, at risk of missing out on virtually every aspect of life. If you can't get a transportation ride, what are you going to do? You sit at home and look at the four walls all day? Well, of course people are going to be depressed. In a heavy-handed move not likely to endear the taxi industry to the public, as it faces off with the province. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Police are looking for any information that could shed some light on the death of a Coquitlam man. 24-year-old Eddie Bogari Nigo was last seen leaving his home at 7 p.m. on December 27th. His body was found in a vacant forested property along the Lougheed Highway in Maple Ridge. For the last few years, he'd been working as a general laborer. But in his youth, he was a talented soccer player and a member of Coquitlam's Sparta SC U18 squad that won the Canadian National Championship. There are no indications uh, to link Eddie's death to any, uh, any uh, gang conflict, whether it be the Lower Mainland conflict or any other gang conflict. Uh, Eddie uh, did not have uh, ties that we know of to, to drugs and any gangs. Uh, I can tell you that uh, he's had some you know, negative interactions with police, uh, but nothing that really stands out in terms of motive. Anyone with information is asked to call the IHIT tip line. The double murder trial for a man accused of killing a Vancouver couple resumed today with a bombshell and a warning. Some of the details in this report are disturbing. Defense arguing that Rocky Rambo Waynam Cam was suffering from a mental disorder at the time. And as Ramina Dea reports, they even put their client on the stand today. Rocky Rambo Waynam Cam was soft-spoken. He appeared unemotional, his evidence a matter of fact. 
Cam's first language is Cantonese, but he chose to give his evidence in English. Cam told the court he was walking down the street September 26, 2017, when he saw Diana Ma Jones taking groceries out of her car. He said he pulled out his hatchet and a pocket knife while hiding behind a tree. I ran to the door. I believe she tried to close the door, but then I tried to bust my way in using force. As soon as Mr. Jones walk into kitchen, I stab him. I just keep stabbing him. It goes on for a while. Thought in my head, how come he didn't die? When he tried to stand up, I'm not sure if I stab him or push him to floor. Go to living room, pick up hatchet. I use hatchet and chopped him on the neck. Cam admitted he bought a hatchet and other items from Canadian Tire, but he's unclear why. After dragging Ma Jones to the kitchen where her husband was, Cam said he tied the legs of both victims to a chair. Again, he can't explain why. After cutting the twine, Cam testified he dragged the couple to the bathroom and put the bodies in the shower stall. After the killings, Cam told the court he was thirsty. He opened up the fridge, drank some milk and ate a peach. He grabbed $30, keys, a wallet and some bananas before leaving. Cam drove off in a car, went home and had a shower. He dumped his bloody clothes and shoes in the garbage bin behind his house on Granville Street. Defense counsel Glenn Orris told the court Cam suffered from a mental disorder at the time of the killings. He thought he was in a video game and within the game he attacked and killed the couple. Defense says Cam has no prior history of violence. I believe the evidence will show no motive, no prior connection between Cam and the victims. He's unable to explain why he did these acts. There does not appear to be logical explanations for what he did in the house outside of a game. Cam, who has an economics degree from Calgary, said at one point he was gaming 12 to 13 hours a day. He has pleaded not guilty to two counts of first-degree murder. Romina Dea, Global News. Vancouver Police today released images of a suspect in the theft of Indigenous regalia and drums from a van in downtown Vancouver. The VPD need your help to identify this man, the suspect seen here January 15th, pulling two dark grey suitcases filled with items belonging to members of a group from the Lake Babine First Nation. The group was here to perform at a First Nations Health Authority conference when their van was broken into in a parking lot near West Pender and Richards. Anyone with information is asked to call Vancouver Police. Right now, though, a B.C. coroner's report into the 2016 party bus death of a young woman reveals the vehicle was flagged several times for a door that wouldn't close properly. Chelsea James fell out of that door while the bus was moving and died instantly. And as Ted Chernecki shows us, the report makes a number of recommendations to make sure it never happens again. It has been four years since she lost her daughter and he his sister in an incident that, as it turns out, was totally preventable. I missed her touches and her feel and just everything about her. Chelsea was one of 27 others who hired a party bus so no one would drink and drive. They were westbound on Hastings when the driver turned left onto Burrard. Chelsea lost balance and fell down a stairwell and through a door that was supposed to be unopenable when the bus was in motion. She died instantly while the driver kept going for another couple of blocks. Today's coroner's report said this vehicle had multiple safety violations. It stabs a heart all over again because it was a preventable accident. 
Among the coroner's findings, the CVSC, Commercial Vehicle Safety and Enforcement, an arm of BC's Transportation Ministry, has no internal tracking system. And they had no paper trail, they had no way of checking up with these people that they gave uh, previous violations to, which is, just blows my mind. How do you not have that? In a two-year stretch before that fatal crash, Silver Lady Limousine failed safety inspections because of that door three times. Yet just weeks later, in two of those violations, the bus passed inspections with no proof of repair. Makes me sick. Nobody followed up. Nobody did the proper procedures and the rules and regulations that they have set in place. In a statement, BC's Transportation Minister says tracking and documentation systems will include software upgrades to make the system as efficient as possible. In the meantime, we continue to prioritize safety through tougher enforcement. But as a family might see it, these violations that CVSE officers write up might not be worth the paper they're written on if there's no follow-up totally preventable and it breaks my heart that nobody's being held accountable. She paid the price for this piece of tin can on the road. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Ottawa-based Shopify is beefing up its presence and workforce on the West Coast. The company, which provides technology to online retailers, plans to hire 1,000 people in Vancouver and open its first permanent office in the city by late 2020. Shopify's expanded team, including data engineers and web developers, will work from a four-floor, 6,500-square-meter space at 4 Bentall Centre. Shopify powers over a million businesses around the world. It helps them sell their products through many different channels, like an online store, in a retail store, and through social channels. Why not Vancouver? It's a fantastic city. Uh, we already have a small uh, base here. We've been hiring a remote workforce for many years who help with our support team and have taken a leadership role in that. And we see a huge opportunity to expand in the city. Shopify is focusing on competing with Amazon by rolling out a network of fulfillment centers to help U.S. merchants lower shipping costs and ensure timely deliveries. Technology plays a part in our next story about this cute and cuddly little guy, but he has a therapeutic purpose. A UBC-led team is studying how social robot technology can help boost the lives of dementia patients. Linda Aylesworth has more on the robotic patch that's getting an early seal of approval. Being in the hospital, coping with dementia, can be a little less lonely and scary when you've got a friend. It's very calming to pet them. They like to be scratched under the throat. It can be a very stressful environment. So I was always looking for ways to help to provide some comfort using non-pharmacological approach. Hey, Peril. This is what Dr. Hung found. Paro, the therapeutic seal pup, a robot developed in Japan over 15 years ago with an impressive track record in long-term care facilities. It helps the decrease of use of antipsychotics. It brings down um, anxiety and stress. It decreases blood pressure. It decreases uh, pain medication use. A couple of years ago, Vancouver General Hospital purchased one to see if it would produce the same beneficial effects in a Canadian hospital setting. Among Dr. Hung's observations... It's a robot that helps remind us that that we are human. It's all about love. It humanizes that clinical environment. Paro is a good uh, conversational piece. Mario Gregorio, who lives with vascular dementia and helped with the study, noticed how it reduced isolation. 
if you uh, put para, para in the lap of a, pe a person with dementia, uh, people start coming over and, and chatting with that person. Those who work here at the Willow Pavilion didn't need a study to appreciate Paro's value. I see a beam of light just shining from their eyes. For most of them, they're going, wow, what is this? And then it's like, can I touch it? And if a patient becomes agitated, Peril can gently diffuse the situation. How many of these little Peros would you like here? Oh, thousands. <laughs> I'd like them to be swimming all over the place. But given the $8,000 plus price tag, they can only afford to wish. If we could help people who need to use it and have access to it, like that would be my wish, yeah. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. It's all right. <laughs> A 7.7 magnitude quake sends people scrambling from buildings in eastern Mexico. The epicenter was hundreds of kilometers away in Jamaica, but it caused tremors from Mexico to Miami. The impact causing some unexpected waves in a swimming pool on Grand Cayman Island. Some roads and sewage mains were damaged, but there are no reports of any injuries. U.S. President Donald Trump's lawyers wrapped up their final day of arguments in his impeachment trial as a new battle begins over witnesses. All eyes focused on Senate Republicans and whether they'll vote to hear from former National Security Advisor John Bolton, who dropped a bombshell in his new book. Tonight, the president's defenders dismissing that reported manuscript from ousted former National Security Advisor John Bolton. If you want to call that evidence, I don't know what you'd call that. I'd call it inadmissible. Now, the crucial question, will Bolton testify? Following the New York Times report that Bolton, in his upcoming book, accuses President Trump of tying Ukraine's military aid to investigations into the Bidens. The president has denied Bolton's allegation. Democrats demanding Republicans call Bolton. All we need is four who rise to the occasion and say we need to find out the truth. Tonight, a third Republican, Alaska's Lisa Murkowski, suggesting she might vote yes. Mr. Bolton probably has some things that would be helpful for us. But one GOP senator who favors hearing from Bolton says Republicans should get witnesses too. Having each side be able to choose a witness or maybe more than one witness uh, on a paired basis uh, it has some merit. Other Republicans are already slamming Bolton. Does John Bolton have corrupt motives because he's making millions of dollars now trashing the president? That's a good question. Still, the president's former chief of staff, John Kelly, is backing Bolton's account, saying if John Bolton says that in the book, I believe John Bolton. Overnight, the president's defense team with Harvard Law professor Alan Dershowitz downplaying Bolton's claims. Nothing in the Bolton revelations, even if true, would rise to the level of an abuse of power or an impeachable offense. And today, blasting the Democrats' case. What they are asking you to do is to throw out a successful president on the eve of an election with no basis and in violation of the Constitution. Despite the serious allegations in the Senate, President Trump unveiling a long-awaited Middle East peace plan today. Trump outlined elements of the proposal at a White House event alongside Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. If implemented, it would create a conditional path to statehood for Palestinians while recognizing Israeli sovereignty over a significant portion of the West Bank. The plan also includes a future Palestinian state with its capital in East Jerusalem. Trump says the long-shot plan, which lacks Palestinian support, would require both sides to make concessions. 
More questions tonight about that helicopter crash that killed basketball legend Kobe Bryant and eight others. Investigators now sifting through the wreckage for clues. They're also examining what appears to be video of the doomed chopper just a few minutes before its final impact on Sunday. In Calabasas today, a helicopter began lifting the heavy wreckage of the downed chopper off a rugged hillside as NTSB teams used a drone to examine the charred and twisted remains. Investigators also collecting records on the pilot. 49-year-old Ara Zabayan, Kobe Bryant's favorite pilot, was certified for both visual and instrument flight rules. In a statement, the helicopter charter company says Ara has been with the company for over 10 years and has over 8,000 flight hours. He was pretty experienced and had flown these flights before under VFR. So, you know, but we are collecting additional information about the pilot to see how the pilot was trained. This video appears to show the chopper minutes before the crash as it circled, awaiting air traffic clearance to fly north towards Kobe Bryant's training academy. As thick clouds and fog moved in Sunday morning, trouble came fast. Flight data indicates the chopper dropped 350 feet in just six seconds, banking a hard left turn and accelerating, slamming into the hillside at 176 miles per hour. The question for investigators, did Zabayan become disoriented in the clouds? A former Marine instructor pilot says it can happen if pilots take their eyes off their instruments. If you were flying straight and level, you were not making any turns, then it can be a very, very gradual thing. If you are maneuvering when you, when you lose contact with the ground, then it can be much more rapid. A former Island Express pilot says the chopper was equipped with terrain avoidance warning systems. Terrain, terrain, pull up, pull up. But was that alerting system working? The NTSB says it can't confirm the chopper was even equipped. A central question in this investigation is why they decided to fly in this kind of marginal visual weather conditions. Tom Costello, NBC News, Calabasas, California. In Health Matters tonight, new evidence out of the U.S. that millions of seniors are being harmed from taking too many drugs. 750 seniors are hospitalized each day with serious side effects from one or more medications. That's according to a new report from the Loan Institute in Massachusetts. More than 40 percent of seniors regularly take five or more prescription drugs. Experts recommend older patients have frequent checkups to discuss which drugs can be safely reduced or discontinued. Remember the Vernon Zamboni kids? Well, they've upped their game where these two brothers took their backyard rink pedal power. Their big ice, de their big ice debut right after the forecast. Pretty good. It was good luck. It was good luck, too. We'll talk about that later with Squire. But right now, a little too mild for a Zamboni in those backyard <laughs> rinks. Here on the south coast anyway, Yvonne. Yeah, it was a mild one today. We actually got a bit of a break in the rainfall. We started off with rain, but it was in the very early morning hours. Temperatures right now are sitting at 6 out of the airport. We have a lighter wind northwesterly at 7 kilometers per hour. But we are going to see another round of rain pushing in and a quick glance at the precipitation that we've seen for the month of January. We've got rain all the way towards the end of the month, and we've only seen one day without rainfall. Right now, total 207 millimeters, so well above the average. It sits at 168. Here's the gap that we've been tracking through the 
afternoon and evening. The next weather maker that is going to push in, bringing very windy conditions along the north coast, Haida Gwaii and the northern tip of Vancouver Island. And the rain is going to move in right across the south coast. And the timeline, heaviest rainfall, a heads up for the morning commute. And then it'll ease off, similar to what we're seeing today, partly cloudy, a few breaks in there by the afternoon. And then more rain by Thursday and similar for Friday. The wind warning that is in effect, the winds could get up to 120 kilometers per hour. Lots of instability across the north coast tomorrow with even the risk of thunderstorms. The winds across the south coast range between 40 and up to 60 kilometers per hour and that will really continue in the afternoon. The next round of rain Thursday, Friday and potentially by the end of Saturday could see up to 60 millimeters so we'll continue to track those numbers and tomorrow anywhere between 20 and up to 30 millimeters. We do have a snowfall warning in effect for the Pine Pass up to 15 centimeters and the Rogers Pass for tomorrow 5 and up to 10 centimeters. Risk of thunderstorms along the north coast tomorrow. Inland could even see the risk of freezing rain. Much of the southern interior, there is snow, and then it changes over to rain. It's higher elevations along the mountain passes that will still see accumulating snowfall. Heaviest rain across the south coast will be for the morning. Breaks in the cloud cover for the afternoon. Rain and heavy at times, but it'll be a mild one, especially as we look ahead towards Friday, getting up to 11 degrees. Tonight's weather window, a fantastic one. This is near Hazleton. So thank you so much, Bob, for sending that in. Guys? Beautiful scene. Thank you very much, Yvonne. Well, two Vernon brothers who built a backyard Zamboni took their very Canadian invention to Vancouver last night. I am a good driver. You never crashed before? Nope. He has crashed a little bit. My mom had to help. In our backyard. We really like our Zamboni so much. Thank you, Mom. It's not a pedal. It's actually electric. They know what they're talking about. It is electric, not pedal power. Backstage at Rogers Arena, Asher and Kyler discussed their Zamboni game before their big ice debut. Let's welcome a five-year-old Kyler and six-year-old Asher to the rink tonight, ahead of tonight's mini minor hockey. The Canucks brought the brothers and their Zamboni out during the intermission ahead of the mini minor hockey game. In a very Canadian moment, the pair of Canucks fans circled the ice, doing their part to give Rogers Arena a clean sheet. Well done, boys. <laughs> Good job. Well so done, Mom cute. and Dad, too. I'm betting the boys had some help building that. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just guessing. I'm sure they're very talented. Yes, of course. And, and, you know, and the other thing, props to the Canucks for doing that, mm-hmm. for embracing that and yeah. bringing them onto the ice. That's, that's always cool. good. Good luck for them. Yeah. Uh, hey, wait, before we get right. to what, what's going on with you, we yeah. want to talk about what's coming up on Sunday. Yes, we are just a few days away from Super Bowl Sunday, and for many, it is the moments in between the football action that are the real reasons to watch. That's right. Squire will usually do a Super Bowl commercial special on Monday, but we've got a sneak peek for you right now. This is going to be good. It seems like every year our Super Bowl ad expectations get higher and higher. Come out, come out. And so Everyone. does the star power. Master of Drama Brian Cranston channeling his inner Jack Nicholson in a Mountain Dew thriller. Here's Mountain Dew Zero. New ideas, go. Rain Wilson from The Office is a miffed bread maker hawking pizza. Best thing since sliced bread. I know. Teresa. Caroline. While some Real Housewife rivals are having some hummus. You can't touch this. And then a throwback harnessing the power of Cheeto hands. Hammer time. Into hammer pants. Next time someone labels you typical. When it comes to the quintessential beer commercials, there will be the patriotism. Engage the glutes. Yes. 
but also our own Jimmy Fallon trying to be a musclehead workout guy and still somehow showing off his daughter's secret handshake. Snail, jellyfish, let me pack it. Oh, you're not fitting your car in there. But so far, the smartest ad might just be this one. Look who's got smart pack. All hoping to keep people entertained in between those wicked long commercial breaks. Wicked smart. Gotti Schwartz, NBC News. Picks up a six pack. Yes, on on Monday we will endeavor to show you what you might have missed. Mm -hmm. To see. So after the brothers from Vernon took care of the ice. Just checking a score here. I'm sorry about all that. Yes, you were handy saying? little gadget. It is a handy gadget. It's called a smartphone. Yeah. And I, I think it's a fad. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Something. the internet. Yeah. Okay. Um, when the Canucks are winning, winter does not have as much discontent around BC. Think about how things have changed. Back in mid-December, fans were so freaked out they were thinking Jim Benning and Travis Green should both be fired. Now you'd have to say Travis Green is in the running for coach of the year, the way the Canucks are playing. 12-3 and three in their last 15 games. They have a five-game road trip coming up. It's a bit of a weird one. It goes from the Pacific to the Atlantic. But last night, the Canucks beat the defending Stanley Cup champions, and the one thing they did was they didn't panic in the third period when they were holding on to a one-goal lead. I mean, yeah, we're getting more comfortable. I think we learned a lot uh, at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, I thought we gave up way too many leads and sat back a little bit too much in the third. And I think that's totally changed now. And uh, it just comes from experience and learning. And um, I thought we did a great job tonight. Included in all of this good feelings about the Vancouver Canucks is the play of Jake Vertanen, who's a first-liner right now, playing alongside Elias Pettersson and JT Miller. Travis Green doesn't hand out coveted spots on the first line as some sort of charity. Jake had to earn it, and in order to stay there, he can't get comfortable. And one of the reasons he's been good enough to stay is he's become a sponge, listening to advice from J.T. Miller. Think of Vertanen as baby Yoda and J.T. Miller as old Yoda. The Canucks acquired J.T. Miller for a number of reasons, and he has delivered on every one of them. But there is one unexpected benefit of Miller becoming a Canuck, and that's being a mentor to Jake Vertanen. It wasn't planned that way. It just happened. I kind of see a lot of you know, myself and him when I was younger. I think that you know, I've also come from a spot in camp where I was kind of put back and I had to fight my way up to making it. Miller is referring to the first day of training camp last September when Vertanen wasn't in the kind of shape Travis Green wanted him in. Um, since then, I just kind of focused on myself and what I had to do to get better. And the thing with Jake is like he has really thick skin. He can take criticism. Guys give it to him all the time, and comes to the rink every day with a smile on his face, and he's happy to be around the boys. So uh, he's a great teammate. And so apparently is Miller. For years, it was Travis Green who worked closely with Vertanen to help find his potential. Now it's Miller time. Stay with it play by Vertanen and then the finish by Miller to go up 4-1. The communication between me and him is always like non-stop, which is really good. And we sit we sit together on the plane too. So I'm sometimes it gets annoying, but in the end it's it's good. When he gets in trouble on the ice, it's a lot of, it's a lot of the same things I have done in my career and I just tell him to use his legs. Like it took me a long time to realize that you know your legs are your friend and being simple sometimes is you know is It's a smart play. And sometimes JT's lessons for Jake are of the tough love variety, like the one for giving the puck away. I have one turnover. He goes, 
he comes back and he says, okay, you, that's your limit for the, for the night. You have no more turnovers. I'm going to slash you. We started with one a period. Now we're down to one a game, I guess. But no, it's when we don't turn the puck over, we're effective as a line. And I think when me and Petey, and whether it's Bess or Jake, it doesn't matter. I think when we're, we don't turn the puck over, it's hard for us to get in trouble. All of these lessons have not just raised Jake Bertanen's game, they've also raised his confidence level. At the end of the day, confidence is almost everything. And um, he's got such a, a great skill set and a lot of different attributes, like his speed and size and you know his skill. It's, it's Not a lot of guys have all those things. See the skill that he has now, it's starting to flourish and he's making some really good passes on, on the back door and he's getting power play opportunity now. So. You know, on the bench, like we're really excited for him when he when he's getting a point or he scores a big goal, and uh, it's good to see. I feel bad for Milos Ronic. It's like he was born at the wrong time. He came into tennis when the big three were on their game. He's a great player, but he's just not quite up to the level of someone like Novak Djokovic. Quarterfinal action at the Australian Open. Djokovic won the first set. He won the second set. Ronich was better in the third set, gave him a bit of a run. In fact, at one point he was up 5-4 in games. This is a nice point. Djokovic keeps getting it until finally he doesn't get it. But Djokovic would win this in straight sets. And Ronich was a great tournament for him. He's healthy, he was playing well, but once he ran into Novak Djokovic, it was Australian Open over. Well, we talked about JT, now we'll talk about TJ. The BC Lions signed defensive back TJ Lee to a two-year contract extension. He was the Lions' best defensive player last year. Four interceptions, 72 tackles. He's been consistent with BC. In 2018, he made the CFL All-Star team as a member of the Lions. There you go. So look at your snow report for tonight. Nine new centimeters for Whistler Blackcomb, Grouse three, Cypress five, and 13 new centimeters for Sasquatch. 13 new centimeters for Manning Park, 5 for Revelstoke, 3 for Fernie, and 1 for Kicking Horse. 8 new centimeters for Big White, 4 for Silver Star and Sun Peaks, and 12 new centimeters for Apex. 15 new centimeters for Mount Washington, 4 for Whitewater, Red Mountain, 10, and Powder King, 9. Coming up on ET Canada, Justin Bieber's new album, plus the new Juno Award nominees. And then Jim Carrey gets very animated with Sangeeta about his new kids' movie, Sonic the Hedgehog. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right, thanks, Carlos. Well, he was stolen in a violent overnight heist caught on camera. Tonight, the owners of a Shimanis ice cream store have their beloved mascot back. He needs a little TLC, and he's getting it. And as Grace Key reports, part of this baby bear mystery remains unsolved. Ward Yeager is thrilled to be able to reunite Baby Bear back with its mother and father at Baby Bear's ice cream shop in Chimanus on Vancouver Island. It's a little worse for wear, sporting two casts after someone violently severed both its paws. When something like this happens, it's chipping away at our little town. Early Monday morning, surveillance video captured a man kicking Baby Bear, ripping it from the cement. He walks off with a statue worth an estimated $4,000. It's always nice to have part of your family uh, back with you. I know for all the little kids in town and the visitors that we have, um, you know, 
they can have a picture with our little bears. It's just a special moment for everybody. The next morning, RCMP got a call. Someone had located baby bear tossed on the side of a logging road with a note attached reading, I am so sorry for taking the bear. As for the bear thief, he's still at large. We had our forensic identification section go out to the scene where they were... Uh, locating any fingerprints, any possible evidence that they could find on the scene that could help identify this male. All right, just about done, baby bear. The owners had a little fun with Baby Bear's return. At the local clinic, it got top-notch medical care. Both legs were set in casts, and it was even hooked up to some honey IV. We've got to make some new feet for him, uh, do some recasting. They're hoping Baby Bear will be fully recovered in the spring, and owners are promising free ice cream for the kids when he's back. Grace Key, Global News. Probably have to do some physiotherapy or something. Yeah, are you okay? You okay? And I just had to fix something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you need a honey IV. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm good. Don't we all? You good now? I'm good now. Okay. There you go. Sounds good. Uh, okay, before we uh, set you free tonight, let's hear one more time what's going on in the weather over the next five days. So it's really tomorrow morning that we'll see the heaviest rain, 20 up to 30 millimeters. And very similar to today, we'll get some brief breaks in the action. And we will see some sunshine, and then it picks up once again. A heads up, though, we could see some really heavy rain, and that'll be Thursday into Friday. So keeping a close eye, mild over the weekend, and then it is quite cold as we get in towards our Sunday, Monday. So if we do see some precipitation, we could even see some flurries higher up. So, yeah. Wow. Not again. Not out of the, it won't be as cold as it was last time. And not as much snow just yet. 20 centimeters. Right. No. Right. <laughs> Thank, Thank, thanks for watching, everybody. Have a good night. Good night, all. <laughs>